0: Welcome to the Synergy Mindset Coaching Podcast, where you will hear stories from people that have overcome trauma, accident, and illness to equip you with the tools that you need to achieve your goals and dreams. You'll also hear from experts, authors, and entrepreneurs helping you achieve a mindset that will keep you trying, learning, and seeking your passion. I am your host, Gina Johnson, a certified life coach. We're talking about how many of us have grown up feeling invisible or not good enough. Some of us are aware, others have yet to discover. If we're faced with trauma or we have parents that face difficulties coping in life, we may incorporate that into a negative way within ourselves. We are also talking about what it is like to be a highly sensitive person. If you're able to tell when someone is feeling anxious, angry, sad, or depressed, you may have the gift of being highly sensitive. Here is what we're gonna learn in today's interview. How to stop feeling responsible for others. Some ways that you can identify when you're feeling someone else's emotions. How to honor what you need. Ways to speak up respectfully. How you can quit worrying about making other people angry. You're gonna get to know your true self. Be able to speak for your needs respectfully. And we'll find out a bit on creating an identity. Without any further ado, let's jump into our interview. Welcome to Synergy Mindset Coaching. My guest today, Michael Shu, is a professional life coach, holistic health practitioner, and global love activist. He is an author that shares his own healing and transformation. And today he is here to share that journey with you. Welcome, Michael, to the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Well, thanks for being here. Could you take a couple minutes just to fill in the blanks and allow people to get to know you a little better?
1: Yes, the work I do is specializing in healing anxiety, anger, and depression from the ground up, going to the root of it all. And a lot of people that I work with, and this is who I am as well, is uh, highly sensitive people. They're have this; they blessed with this gift of sensitivity. Um, I think one out of five people are born with this gift. And what this gift is, is being able to feel what other people feel. But the problem is, if you don't know that you have this gift or how to use it correctly, then that, that power, that immense power can be used against you in a negative way. And so what I do is I teach people how to be aware of this gift, the mechanism, how to use it correctly so they can use it in a positive light for themselves and for others rather than being used against them.
0: Well, that is powerful work. If someone's listening and they think that might be them, what is a few uh, ways to identify if you are that type of person or if you have that gift?
1: Well, to to know that if you have the gift, you just want to ask yourself, if somebody is feeling anxious, angry, sad, or depressed, are you able to intuitively sense it and to feel it? Mm. If If the answer is yes, then most likely you have that gift of high sensitivity. High sensitivity is almost like you can feel what other people feel like an x-ray. But the issue is most of the feeling that you feel in another person is happening subconsciously and unknowingly. That's the issue that I, that, that I find a lot. And so it's just being aware, is this feeling mine or is this feeling somebody else's? And normally, if a feeling consumes you, It belongs to somebody else. If the feeling and emotion is manageable, then most likely it belongs to you.
0: Wow. I'm exactly this kind of person. I've done a lot of work, but I've never shared anybody's um, expertise on the show about this. So I'm really excited to dive into your story.
1: I'm excited as well.
0: We can come back to this, whatever you know, isn't answered through your own story. I might have a few questions. But first, let's go back to your own personal story because there's so much power in someone sharing their own experience in life. And tell us, where would you like to start on your life journey of healing?
1: About uh, four years ago, um, my, my wife, but she was my fiancé then, she uh, woke up in the morning and she had asked me, uh, oh, you don't look well, what's wrong? And I explained it, and she says, don't intellectualize it. I want you to feel it. At that time, I didn't know how to feel it. And so she said, "Okay, make a sound out of this feeling. And this feeling is something like I carry all the time. It's under the rug. I I, I would label it maybe something as stress, anxiousness. And then when she told me to make a sound out of that feeling, I started hyperventilating. I never had a panic attack before, but let me give you some backstory to this. I grew up with a mother and I was 10 years old at that time, um, with severe panic disorder. And so every week, twice a week almost she would wake me up in the middle of the night, one or two in the morning and, and she would cry scream and hyperventilate and she would ask me to comfort her. So when, when I started hyperventilating when my wife asked me to make a sound, I realized I just took on her feeling and her pain and I made it my own and so for example, like my mom's she has panic attacks because she's fearful of death she's always focused on health and safety mm-hmm. and to an extreme degree and so it's it's almost like if she if she dies or if somebody else she she loved dies is they no longer exist. it's the feeling of non-existence and for me like i always i grew up feeling like hating self-centered people selfish people selfish behavior would bug the heck out of me you know i, I grew up in los angeles and you know i love the lakers but i would i would hate kobe bryant cuz i thought he was selfish and the thing is that cuz self-centered people brought up this feeling of non-existence in me for example i to bring it back to the current day because you you want to in 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 the book that i recently published i talk about this process to identify the feelings Mm -hmm. you do this p e w f process it's a healing model that you can use at any time in your life because you want to identify the feeling which are the weeds they're not true but you got to pull them out so they don't overtake your yard and control how you feel and think and so when i for example my wife is very bad with time and she's really focused on you know what she has got to do and so she's she's very often late and that that's the problem The p you can even think about the sound proof to make you to help uh, remember that that model and so you identify the problem that brings up the strong emotion of either anxiety anger or depression depression is has a negative stigma, but it's really just emotional suppression, numbing yourself. So that E is identify the emotion. So my, my wife's late behavior would make me angry. Now, W is the worst fear, worst case scenario. You want to take the original problem, stretch it into your worst fear, worst case scenario. What does that look like?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so for me, it was just none of my needs and desires is considered. It's completely neglected and abandoned and so f and p-e-w-f is feeling about the self so you want to think if your worst fear or worst case scenario came true what would it how would it make you feel about who you are now there are two very common feelings that come up and maybe in the middle of the podcast um i can say i can explain why they're so common But then the things that two common feelings are Failure I'm a failure something is wrong with me and the other one is a little bit deeper a little bit more hidden and and it impacts more is The feeling of non-existence. I don't exist. I don't matter Mm -hmm. and so when 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 my wife would be late It made me feel like I like I like I don't exist So that's the feeling about the self now what you do after that is you apply, and this is what I did for myself, you apply the PEWF model to both of your parents. You, you first begin with their emotion because if you're connecting with somebody else other than yourself, so you first begin with E, the emotion in the PEWF model, then you work backwards. You think about what is the problem that brings up a strong emotion in, in, um, that triggers that, that strong emotion in them. So, for example, my, my mom's emotion is anxiety what triggers that fear of like it's some something going wrong with health or safety with herself or with somebody else and so her worst fear is death of herself or her loved ones and The feeling it would bring about in her is the feeling of non-existence mm-hmm. With my father He's much more difficult Because the emotion that he carries is tension, which is really anger and emotional suppression he doesn't show emotion you know when I used to live with him um, would when he would see me in the morning he's a loving guy but he would never say hi because he's so focused on work he doesn't show emotion and so that's why it was very hard to consciously connect and and understand what he was feeling and it, I, I was impacted it by him even though I shared the initial story I was impacted by him just as much or possibly more, mm-hmm. because he repressed it so much, and so his focus is always working, always working. He had a uh, kidney uh, stage one kidney cancer he's fine now, about two and a half years ago, and two two months after that, he started working full time wow. you know, and it's all like it's always working and and you you want to go back it's an intergenerational thing, so like why is he this way well I didn't, I didn't really get to know my grandma. She was always in, in Taiwan, and I grew up in the US. And, but I, I finally forced my dad to tell me about the history of our, the up, his upbringing because he would never say much about it. And when I asked him, he, he, he admitted that uh, when my parents got married, well, first of all, he, um, his mom, my grandma, would he would she would always favor his his younger brother because he was better looking and went to a better school, and so my dad would say like yeah I grew up feeling depressed but it went it was fine after that so he's already trying to brush away the emotion, in just kind of suppress it. Mm-hmm. It's this this feeling like you know like because he would say because in Asian in in Chinese culture like the firstborn he was the firstborn they tend to be more favored. Because yes. so much is on them, and so he's like, I was the firstborn, but I didn't. I was never acknowledged, and and they would favor my younger brother just because he was better looking, in their eyes, and and went to a better school, and so. And then when my parents got, because I was forcing, I was asking, and then when my when my parents got married, my dad told me that, the first thing that, his mom told my mom, was that. You'll never be as good looking and as smart as my other son's wife.
0: Oh my goodness.
1: But so that it's the, so I I talk about in the book that there's two levels of pain. One level of pain is how a parent mistreats a child. But the deeper and core level of pain is what a child subconsciously but yet unknowingly feels in their parent and then and then just takes it on and feels it as their own because every child is born with the gift of sensitivity. And so my father just took on that because my, my, my grandma has these feelings of like she's not good enough. She's a failure. She doesn't exist. And so my dad's taking on these feelings and I take it on as well. I take it on a very, very subconscious mm-hmm. level. And it's very, we have to be very, very careful when we have this gift because we absorb it so so quickly, so rapidly, and so unknowingly that if you take on the feeling, other people's feeling as your own, Mm -hmm. it is going to be your kryptonite. What does that mean? It'll break you down physically, emotionally, and mentally and make your life into a living nightmare. You know, I see a lot of families, a lot of, and then the parents will say, you know, They'll bring their child to see me and they'll say, you know, fix my child. This the child has, you know, so many problems. And then the thing is, almost all cases, the child is just freely and unknowingly absorbing their parents' feelings as their own. That is so bewildering, so painful. And you you want to think about a metaphor. I call it the Spider Man effect. What is that? This sensitivity is this high sensitivity is just like Spider Man. Spider Man is highly sensitive there's a big difference between Spider-Man and another person who's highly sensitive and it's that for example Spider-Man will hear the cries for help and he will he but he will know these cries for help belong to somebody else but if you give the same gift of high sensitivity to a young child he, he or she will hear this cry for help and think it belongs to them mm-hmm. to themselves and they will try to fix it but they cannot because that cry for help, that emotion, that feeling does not belong to them. And how bewildering, um, amazing, absolutely bewildering, painful, and even to the point of traumatic. Mm-hmm. You know, I've seen, I've heard the worst stories in my practice over the past 10 years. And even in the book, I mentioned clients who have experienced sexual abuse from their own parents. But even in that most extreme case, most traumatic case, when I did the PWF process to both the client and each of their parents, their core feelings are still the same core feelings as their parents. So even in that extreme case, the deepest and core pain is what you transfer over and believe it is yours because that is a nightmare.
0: That like, I couldn't even imagine However, is there hope for healing for someone who has been through that type of trauma or that type of abuse?
1: You mean like sexual abuse?
0: Yeah, sexual abuse or you know, some of the, the worst case scenarios.
1: Yeah. So even in these worst case like extreme traumatic situations, when I would do the PWF process to the client and to each of their parents, the trauma the trauma their their greatest pain wasn't the sexual abuse, the verbal abuse, or the physical abuse. It was the, the pain from their parents that they felt subconsciously and unknowingly and, and felt it as their own. Because the gift of high sensitivity is so strong that you feel somebody else's pain and you feel it as your own. You want to think of that child hearing the cries for help of others and fi- trying to fix it as their own. And it's impossible. Yeah. It's impossible to... To, to fix other people's pain as your own.
0: I think that's worthy of noting twice that it's impossible to fix other people's pain. Yeah. Do you have a, a lot of people that spend their whole life trying? They spend their whole life trying to make other people happy?
1: The key word, the key question that I asked them um is but what but can I mention one thing to to, like, um, to wrap up the, the PWF process where...
0: Oh yes, please.
1: The one last thing is like, once you realize the feelings are the same, what I do with, with myself and with clients is that, I, high sensitivity is like emotional attendance. And you want to think about that Spider-Man effect, and I'll tell them to place an object on their lap, which represents the emotions and their feelings. That they're that they're suffering through, and I'll I'll have them like connect with all these emotions, connect with all these feelings, and I and I ask them to reframe it all as the emotional signals that they picked up through their emotional antennas from their parents since they were a child, and let that sink in, and they they really feel it because, for example, if somebody hit hits you in the arm, you'll get a bruise, and you'll know that what caused it. But the thing is, the, the emotions of anxiety, anger, and depression, or the problem, whatever it is, the feeling, we don't know the true cause of it, the root of it, because when it first started, when it first began, it happened when we were so young, and we had this gift of sensitivity, and we t- it happened unconsciously, subconsciously, mm-hmm. and unknowingly. So we can't go to the root of it, because it happened unconsciously. So, so the whole goal in the process is, is to make the unconscious conscious. To know that this stuff doesn't belong to you, and so, I, and then this is what I tell people: I say, you take that object, put it in your hands now, you know, and and feel the emotion of the anxiety, the anger, the depression, or the feeling of non-existence and failure. Feel it in the in the weight in that object, and I imagine I say, there's a healthy line of separation, separating your personal space and the personal space of your parents, and I ask them to place the object across the line of separation and then they're going to say sam so what does that mean i know i hope is it okay to do playful cussing
0: <laughs> absolutely
1: okay okay so what does sam stand for this is why i asked them you know like are you okay with playful cussing and then they say okay and then well sam stands for Shit ain't mind so what does this mean this, these feelings and emotions don't belong to you. You're not saying this to your parents. You're saying this to yourself. You want to get out of the matrix. Get out of this, that, that nightmare of taking on other people's pain as your own because that is a horrible nightmare. It's a trauma. And so first goal is knowing that this doesn't belong to you. But now, now I'm ready to answer your question. Should I, should I go there now?
0: Yes, please. Thank you.
1: Okay. So when you say how do people, what was your question again? Can you uh, rephrase phrase it again?
0: Oh, I was asking, do you work with, or as a lot of your clients spend a lot of their lives trying to make other people happy?
1: I call it the three steps of emotional strength. The first step is the SAM. How do you know that? You apply the PWF process to yourself and to your parents and even, even people are, who are close to you, because you can also take on their feelings as, as well. And you realize you're carrying the same core feelings. The second step of emotional strength, I ask, I ask them um, before, before I talk about, and I go into that second step, I'll ask them, do you ever find yourself feeling responsible for others? And they'll say, yes, most likely. And I'll ask them, how so? Maybe they'll say, you know, um, if I'm not able to provide for my family, then I'm a failure. Or um, if somebody that I love something bad happens to them, maybe like their their siblings or their parents, if something bad happens to them, it's because of it's 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 their fault. You know, it's it's their wrongdoing. So there's that type of responsibility. And I and I reframe this and I'll say there is a difference between. Duty and responsibility do for example a parent has the duty to to take care of to love to guide and support their child but responsibility is something very different and I'll tell people you want to imagine this world as a global highway what does that mean that means everybody has a sacred path in life and it's their sacred lane and I'll tell people like take your right hand hold like an imaginary your personal car keys in your right hand and I tell them when you feel responsible for others Oh, at first I, I forgot that in this sacred path and sacred lane this is your reason for existence this is your source of light peace power wisdom and love it is it's about honoring your true self if you do that you'll be the greatest gift for others in the world but there's something that disrupts that balance, that delicate balance, and it is the feeling of responsibility for others. And I'll tell people to visualize this, to visualize this global highway, everybody having their sacred lane and holding their personal car keys in their, in their right hand, just imaginary. And when you feel responsible for others, you are jumping out of your sacred lane, abandoning your sacred lane, and jumping into the sacred lane of another and driving their vehicle of life but it's impossible. You cannot use your personal key to drive the vehicle of life for another. So that's why people feel like a failure, because it's impossible. That's like I said, those two common feelings, why are they so common? This is one of the reasons. And plus, your sacred lane is your reason for existence. If you jump out of it and abandon it, you're going to feel like you don't exist. Plus, you know, if... If you drive the vehicle life for another, they will never learn how to drive. So they cannot learn, grow, and evolve. you got to let them have that freedom. And another thing that happens is when you feel responsible for others, you become an emotional sponge for all their pain. Mm -hmm. And to visualize this, I call it the... It's something I would talk about, I'm writing in, in my next book, is the triangle of pain. What is that? At the top at the apex of the triangle is the feeling of responsibility for others. Or the misuse sensitivity. Misuse sensitivity means you feel other people's feelings so much so strongly that you believe it is yours, that it belongs to you. And so when that happens at the bottom ends of the triangle, you're going to feel like a failure because you cannot use your personal key to drive the vehicle of life for another. And then when you feel responsible for others, subconsciously, it feels like it is your only reason for existence. And you're going to fail because it's impossible to use your personal key to drive the vehicle of life for another. And when you fail, you're going to feel like you have no existence.
0: This is such a powerful visualization. Would another, you know, kind of buzzword for this be codependency?
1: Codependency? Yes, and, I, and this, the, the name of the second step. So first one is S-A-M, Shading Mind. Step number two that, that cap, encapsulate all of this is stay in my lane. If you stay in your lane, then you can, that's your source of light. That's your greatest power. You're going to be the greatest gift. You're going to be able to shine your light on, onto the world. It's your true self that is your greatest gift to others. It's kind of like a yin and yang effect in balance. You know, we, we have our compassionate self, which is very, very important. But we have the me as well. We have to know our true self, which is our greatest. It is the me that is the greatest gift to the we. Wow, the me
0: that is the greatest gift to the we. I love that. Thank you. So can you take us back to that conversation when your wife asked you that question that caused you to start to hyperventilate does this all all this work you've done tie back to that moment
1: it isn't it, uh, it ties back to that moment but it's an, it's a continual evol, ev, uh, evolutionary process everything is layered and builds on builds on and I'm constantly growing because and 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 looking within myself, even when I see clients, I take a moment and I know that's probably mirroring something within me, and even sharing it helps me embrace the concepts um, that much more. I didn't get to go over this, but I the whole process I call it emotional strength, and and I like to use acronyms. It's like want to think of F I S T. It's like fist. So what that means is that. You, you wanna think of this mantra. This will help settle people down. We're always focused on the problem. We feel like this problem is causing my feeling. And I fix the problem, I'll fix the feeling. But the truth of the matter is, and this will help you center and ground yourself and get to the core of it. You wanna tell you tell yourself this mantra problems bring up feelings in us that existed before the problem ever happened. Hmm. So for example, you know, my my wife's late behavior makes me feel like I don't exist, but the feelings of non-existence was there before I even met her. And so the thing is, so the feel is that we need to, we're always thinking, overthinking, and we need to feel to balance our thoughts. We need eyes to identify our feeling, but the feeling is never true. It's just we're just pulling out the weeds so it doesn't overtake our yard and control how we feel and think. And then S is separate. We separate from what doesn't belong to us. We finally are aware of our emotional attendance and know that what is my feeling and what is what is not. And after you separate, then you can honor the power of your true self. But the thing is, people, I'll ask people, define your true self in two separate words. It kind of works like a yin and yang. And, I'll, and I'll, But I'll, I'll tell them. It's not going to be compassionate, kind, or caring. Because helping others is the after effect of your true self. It's, it's the end result. It's not the means. Because if you define yourself as compassionate, kind, or caring, then you're going, if you're alone in a room, you're going to feel like you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the truth is the beauty and power of who you are is who you are just that uh, the beauty and power of your true self. It's who you are just as you are.
0: How do you help people figure this out? Almost everybody that I encounter in a coaching relationship is not able to define themselves in two words. That's pretty incredible.
1: You, you want to take a step back and, and not define it in relation to other people. For example, like I've asked people, like, they feel the feelings of failure. And so ask uh, so them, how do you define your true self? And they'll say, Productivity. So they've internalized the feeling so much, the pain so much, that it is how they identify the essence of their true self. They'll, they'll say, like, their father has anger. And then when I ask them, what's, what's, how do you define your true self, they'll say anger. That shows how much they've transferred other people's feelings and made it the essence of who they are. And so you want to first define it not in relation to others and to give for myself, um, I call the essence of my true self, the calm goofball.
0: <laughs> I love it. Yeah,
1: yeah. So the one one half is normally grounding, rooted, and gives you a sense of peace. The other one is more alive, free, and powerful. And what is an, an example of me expressing that or honoring that is the is the name of actually. These three steps of emotional strength both embody my calm, intuitive self and my goofy self. So you see the first one, S-A-M, shit ain't mine. Step number two, stay in in my lane. And then step number three, which is the title of the book, after you separate from what is not yours, what doesn't belong to you, you can honor the power of your true self. And what is your true self? It's you are the fucking shit. (laughs) And so, yeah, that's, so that's me embodying that um, calm, intuitive self, and the message is able to resonate with other people. They able because I, you know, I've had clients there. Um, there may be like one clients from Asia, and so her English is not as good. But she just she would she told me in one of the sessions like, oh, I, I love SAM, and she's a mother, so it's just fun. this shit ain't mine. I just say it all the time. You know like and so it resonates so when you are your true self you're you're the your most impactful self and um, I don't know if I should share the story of where that you are the fucking shit came from but I, I think I think it's good to say that um, I tell people here is some example. they want to hear some example so I'll say to define your true self in two separate words you first begin with one word, and then you do the, the other half. So examples are the creative self, which is you love creating new new ideas, new solutions. And the, another one is explore. You love learning new things. Or the adventure, you love challenges. Warrior, because you feel this unbelievable strength within yourself. And then the other one, or actually one last one is goofy, playful, clown um, and another one is the one that balances that is the one that grounds you roots you gives you that foundation and it's things I've heard is peaceful serenity tranquility quiet um, it, it could be anything it's just anything that resonates with you and so I love putting it together after they identify both putting it together into a single identity so for mine is the calm goofball some things I've heard is the quiet clown uh, the Peaceful Explorer. So I love creating something that really resonates and sounds really has a little kick to it.
0: Okay, that's a pretty fun exercise too.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now on this podcast, we love stories. Would you be willing to share from your own journey how you were able to walk through these steps yourself and how it changed your life?
1: You mean how my personal life relates to all these steps?
0: Yes, because I'm sensing that these acronyms that you have have come from a place of yourself. Is that accurate?
1: Yeah. 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 I think the, the, the SAM is just knowing, like, for example, when my wife asked me to make a sound out of the feeling I was carrying, I started hyperventilating, which was the same, you know, I w- same thing I would see in my, in my mom growing up and and the feeling of responsibility for others it's just okay so for example like if you're so in tune with other people through your gift of sensitivity you can often feel bad feel guilty these are hidden words of responsibility for others, and you wouldn't you don't and this is what I would do I wouldn't speak my voice that's your, I call it. People call it throat chakra. I call it the voice center. Are you want to think about? Are you honoring what you want? Are you expressing and voicing, and are you backing up with action when necessary? Mm-hmm. And so often, so very, so much. I would swallow my words because I felt bad, and I and I didn't want to say what I really want to say. And when I real, and then this is something I, I've known before, but I really, really re- realized this recently, and. I just I realized how much I was swallowing my words and, and how, how much pain it was causing me because when you do that, your whole mind and body and aura becomes um, flooded with other people's thoughts and feelings. You keep on thinking about what about them, what about what, what, what if they get angry, and plus you create an energetic cord. What does that mean? the core that connects your body, your aura, and their body and their aura. And then it becomes like it's this emotional highway. And you just take on all their feelings. And then your essence also is given away to, to them. And then you cannot really know your true self. You can't really function in life because you need to hold on to your true self. And a lot of your essence is, 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 is given away by just not even just speaking uh, your mind and honoring it. But there's a flip side to it you can speak your mind but if you speak it with for example anger or attitude this this is like setting healthy boundaries you can either don't say anything at all or you have an aggressive boundary and you're like you just you know voice it with anger both ways both scenarios you're still going to absorb the other person's feelings that's so very interesting you want to say it from a place of firmness centeredness groundedness you got to clear all these feelings that don't belong to you and for example i i feel like there are two common feelings the the i'm a failure and i don't exist but the one that non-existence is the one that's deeper it's the one that hurts the most because for example people will say if i fail to provide if i fail at something if i fail in my job then i will not have an identity Therefore, I don't have an existence.
0: You're so hitting on my childhood that I started the name of this whole podcast, Coaching Synergy Mindset Coaching, because my dad would often stare out the window into space or like right through me but not see me. And that was what I grew up. I wish I met you before like my 10 years of therapy and personal growth that's what I had to work through was that I grew up thinking exactly that I was invisible because my dad never seen me and I didn't know it was like literally his own shit and it still is his own shit today.
1: I'm curious what emotion would he carry within himself out of the anxiety, anger or emotional suppression?
0: He always was angry. He would yell, sometimes throw things, and always blame us that we made him do it. So it took me a really long time to see that and overcome it.
1: Do you you mind me asking what problem or situation would bring up strong feelings of anger in him?
0: That is a great question. Usually it was if someone didn't do what he told them to. Mm -hmm. And I think that came from his own feelings of, you know, being invisible to his own father. So if we didn't obey what he said or do it correctly, then I think that triggered something within him that caused the anger.
1: Mm -hmm. So I guess his worst fear, worst case scenario is that Nobody would ever listen to him or even acknowledge him.
0: Perhaps. Perhaps. To this day, I still don't know and have a very at-distance relationship with him. And uh, it was just Mother's Day and my birthday, and he didn't even call me. And after all this work I've done, I still have to struggle with knowing that that's his stuff and that it doesn't mean anything about how he you know, doesn't love me or doesn't care about me, all those things that I used to think subconsciously. So this is pretty incredible talking to you right now about this.
1: Yeah. And do you you mind, like, the last part is, like, the, the, the feeling about the self is, like, he carries, if his worst fear came true, if nobody acknowledged him, nobody listened to him, then he would feel non-existent. I think so. Yeah, and then so this is something I would like to kind of, you know, maybe maybe contemplate or explore with you. Is that this is how sensitivity and how how freakish it is if we're not a when we're not fully aware of it. Is that if he like if he ignores or sees past you it brings up these feelings of like non-existence, like he, your invisibility, but your sensitivity is so strong that you're actually feeling his invisibility, his feeling of non-existence for him on his behalf. Yes. Because like my, my, for example, I like I, the earlier example was when my wife is late, it makes me angry. I feel like I don't exist. And I would say, okay, it's, um, something I internalized from my mom but the thing is my my wife also carries repressed anger and feelings of non-existence she doesn't like to be alone she's you know fearful of cancer because if or if I get cancer then I die and, and she'll be alone she doesn't exist mm. so she's constantly always carrying this feeling and so when when we need to go to bed and I need to wake up early for work and she's so infused with the computer for example because she's she, you know she's I don't know, for whatever reason and I'll get angry because like after what while this, this happened a few months ago night and, and I got anger I couldn't take anymore because I was getting a lack of sleep and I was like and I was using her repressed feelings of anger and using Her feelings of non-existence but throwing it at her Mm -hmm. but doing it all of this doing it subconsciously and unknowingly feeling like it was mine partly is mine because you know of what I grew up with and other things like feeling responsible for others that creates these feelings of failure and I mean uh, feelings of non-existence but that's how powerful the sensitivity can be where I'm expressing her anger her feelings her pain even if it's directed at her, mm-hmm. but I'm carrying mm-hmm. it for her. I that's it just transfers over so subconsciously and so rapidly.
0: Now, how do you work through these things? Like if someone's listening, the, the divorce rate is crazy. We talk about it all the time. So knowing that you're consciously aware that these things happen, how how can you use that to help you to work through things when they happen like that later in your relationship?
1: I mean. Both parties have to be willing to look within. If they're not willing to look within, if they're not willing to get in touch with their feelings, then then it's it's almost impossible. They have to be willing. But once you're willing, I think everything is possible. Um, they can get my book because it'll just like detail it. See, because you want to understand each other, and if you do the PWF process, for example, to yourself. And then to your parents, you'll see where your feelings are coming from. But you want to do this with your partner because they'll see like, oh, I can see where you're feeling are coming from. It's not about me. So like when I see my wife acting this way, I can get really angry, but I know of what she grew up with. And so I don't, I can see where it's coming from. And and she knows that. And and then so if both partners knows For example, you do the PWF process. You identify your core feelings. You you do it with your parents. Then you kind of see where it's all coming from, and you start you stop taking it out on each other. Because we internalize these feelings from our parents since we're a child, because we have these emotional attendance and because we can't fix it within ourselves, our knee-jerk reaction is to project it, project it onto life, the world, and to others, and most importantly, our partners. Because, I call our partners, our life partners, our relationships—they are the em- emotional spark to the TNT of our past. Yes, stuff has happened in our past, and it creates all this TNT, this dynamite. And then that that relationship comes in, and boom, lights the spark. Everything just blows up like it's the Fourth of July, you know. So, and you want to be aware of that, and because it's going to test you and. You don't need to take it out on each other. You're both here going on the same journey, same healing and same journey of healing and empowerment.
0: Well, this is a great segue into sharing your book. I'm going to be reading this myself. Your work is just so fascinating and there's not enough time for all the questions that are just tumbling in my head. So for anyone that's tuned in halfway, I just want to share quickly that they're talking, listening to Michael Shu from from HealFromTheGroundUp.com. Your book, You Are the Fucking Shit, Heal Your Anxiety, Anger, and Depression from the Ground Up, is available on Amazon. It will also be linked to the show notes at Synergy Mindset Coaching, Michael Shu, HSU. Michael, can I ask you, before we go, to share with us your favorite book and podcast, please?
1: First book that really changed uh, and set me on the course is I think everybody knows it is "You Can Heal Your Life" by Louise Hay. Yes. Um, I'm biased. My favorite book is my own book.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, like I put my whole, my whole, my life's journey into that. And then I love writing, and I'm writing something else as well. And it's just like when you're writing, it forces you to put all the puzzle pieces together, and forces you to evolve, um, like no other. And it's like I put my heart and soul to it. So that's why I, I would be lying if I didn't say it was my book.
0: That's awesome. How about podcasts? Do you listen to podcasts?
1: Um I I mean I started my own podcast uh, you know, years back and I lis- I didn't I listened to a lot then, but not as much. I I focus on uh reading and um more so reading now, but, um, uh, I don't know. I would say my own.
0: (laughs) Everybody always says that.
1: (laughs) Why not? You put what you put is not being, um, like flamboyant. It's just, you know, um, I think at some point we, we gotta stop being bashful and then just, just to own your stuff. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah words of wisdom and speaking of words of wisdom we are nearing the close and i just want to thank you for being such a great guest sharing so much of your life's work with us and your own stories and i just want to give you the opportunity to leave a parting word of guidance and let people know where they can best connect with you
1: i mean it's hard You put me on the spot saying <laughs> Once I don't know what to say in one sentence um, But I, I would say Get in touch with your power of sensitivity Don't underestimate how powerful it truly is Because if you once you understand that it's power it can be used for good and it won't be used against you Because then you won't be an emotional sponge for the feelings of others and you'll, it's like this psychic in the sense that you can feel what other people feel it's like this, you can, it's like this x-ray vision you can use to maneuver throughout the world it's, it's an amazing thing, it's not a curse so just be in tune with that um, and highly recommend getting my book if you want to set up uh, you know, a session with me you can go on my website healfromthegroundup.com you can even check me on Yelp um, you can see what people say about me um, Yeah, you can email me at Michael, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, at uh, healfromthegroundup.com. And remember, yeah, you are the fucking shit.
0: Welcome back. I would sure love to hear what your takeaways were from today's interview with Michael. He covered some pretty awesome topics if you are a highly sensitive person. This is something I have worked on for a lot of years, and when I first began, I didn't have any boundaries. I was not able to speak for what I wanted. I was often resentful and now I am able to speak for what I need in a way that honors other people and I'm able to stand in confidence and know that there is a purpose for me and there is a plan for my life and that I am doing good work in the world and I wish for that for each and every one of you. Whatever you faced, whatever challenge that you're working through, I know that you are going to make it. And each one of our guests that just shares their life, their work, I hope takes you one small step closer. You can get everything he mentioned at the show notes, synergymindsetcoaching.com, <laughs> dot com, sorry, slash Michael Shoe. And please, if there's anyone that you know that would benefit from this interview, share it with a friend. You may share it on your social media. I really appreciate your shares and helping me get these wonderful interviews out in the world. Thanks for listening and being a part of the Synergy community. You can find us on Facebook and you can also join the email list so you don't ever miss another episode. And I'll be back next week with another inspiring interview.